Hi, I'm Talia. And I'm Fionn. And, and this, this is Untold Times. Times. Today is our second ever episode of Untold Times. And for a special feature, we're going to be talking about Black History Month. Fionn and I have got some interesting facts planned and especially going to be talking about some people that aren't exactly known to everybody. And yeah, Fionn, take it away. So we obviously learn about Black History Month every year through schools and university. But do we actually know the origins of Black History Month? Like, Tali, have you ever like stopped and sort of thought about the origins of Black History Month? Not at all, to be honest. Exactly. Like, you know, history sometimes is all about going way back to the basics. So um, Black History Month actually started way back in 1915 with a historian called Carter G. Woodson. He was a black activist and a black historian in America. Uh, and he went to Chicago um, to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the emancipation of slaves in America in 1915 and thought we need to have a bit more celebration of black history, culture yeah. and people. Uh, so throughout his lifetime, he kept pushing and pushing for more celebration of black history. And he decided to do it in February because in America, Black History Month is actually celebrated in February because I think you do, is it uh, Martin Luther King Day, I think is in February. February, I believe. Yeah. Um, it might not be. We'll have to. We're check. not very good history <laughs> students then. Um, but no. So Black History Month. So he wanted to sort of have it in February because both Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass, who are both prominent abolitionists, have their birthday in February. Okay, that's cool. And he wanted to sort of like do it around them, but mm. also move away from them, like celebrate them, of course. Yeah also celebrate more black culture people and um sort of just you know um and so that's what he did and with the help of the civil rights movement so that was mm. originally just a week but with the help of the civil rights movement in the 1960s and everything that came along with it and the reforms yeah. and everything he actually managed to in 1976 it became a month in okay the, and it's interesting because it became a month in 1976 50 years after the original Black History Week oh. was formed. So it's kind of like a good cycle. Cycle, yeah. Cycle thing. Um, and I know you must be thinking, like, why are we in Britain celebrating it in October? October. I thought this, and I had a massive panic when I was doing the <laughs> research. I was like, have we just got it completely wrong? But um, Black activist um, Akiaba Adai Sebo, I'm really sorry if I've just butchered that pronunciation, but he set up, or she set up, I'm not too sure. I think it's a he. I think it's a he. Um, Tali's just checking right now. Should have checked beforehand, but... Um, bad, bad history student here. Um, anyway, they... We'll call them a day. They uh, set up Black History Month in the UK and chose October as it falls in line with the start of the academic year. And they thought it would inspire Britain's sort of young people and students who are freshly back from the summer holiday, back in school, back in university, to start the curriculum, the history curriculum, uh, with uh, sort of black history and black culture. Um, and yes, he is a he, we have confirmed he is a he. And he's a from Ghana. He's from Ghana. Right. Apologies, apologies about this. Um, but yes, no, so he set it up in October uh in line with this and i think it's great because it really just you know you go back to school you do history like history curriculum especially as the students we've had a lot of um sort of events going on at uni and i'm sure other university students has have as well 
about Black History Month and I think it's just a really good way to set up that year. Like I know in school and I don't we didn't do much black history, but I hope now in school by starting it in October they you know, they have they'll encourage of, it. They'll encourage yeah. it a lot more. So yeah, that's basically the origin mm. of uh, of Black History Month. That's quite cool. I mean in South Africa I'm not sure whether I think we would probably fall for Britain's dates, not really America. Yeah. But at school going you know you're learning about you're in a predominantly black country so you're not really going to be learning much about white people in south africa yeah but we are learning about apartheid and also um you know the original people in south africa and their history but that's also much when we were much younger yeah but i do think that with the people that we're going to be talking about today it's good to learn about in people internationally not just in your own country yeah i completely agree yeah but the one thing that we wanted to talk about, well, we've got some men and women that are predominant people in black history. And, I mean, I'll take it away then yeah. first. But my first person that actually came to mind was John Carney. And now I'm not sure if any of you will know him, but if any of you are, have watched Black Panther, if you're Marvel fans, the father in Black Panther, Chadwick Boseman, Boseman's father, is John Carney, the actor. So he plays the father in the movie, and that's probably where you'll know him best. But he's a very famous South African actor who was a big activist during apartheid. Oh, wow. And probably his most famous... He was a play, uh, an actor in play in theatres. His most famous was probably The Island and Sees Where Bundy Is Dead, which was a play written by Athel Fugard, who was also a predominant anti-apartheid activist. So John Carney, uh, Athel Fugard, and Winston Nchona were the three main people when it came to this anti-apartheid theatre. And so one thing about John Carney is that he actually won a Tony Award for Seas Where Bunsy is Dead and The Island in the 1970s. He won the Tony Award for Best Actor and a Tony nomination for Best Play. alongside Winston but both players were premiered in South Africa in like 1970-1973 and that's when they when they came to uh, the UK and London a year later after that but what I just read about him that I actually didn't know about before because I I learned about him in school and drama yeah and I learned about him and as an actor not really his history yeah but he's actually got a prosthetic eye really oh wow so after he had um, come back from a tour in the US for A Seas Where Bunsy is Dead and the Island. He came to South Africa where his dad phoned him and, and said, oh yeah, come over. And on his way over to his dad's house, he was stopped by the police where they beat him and left him for dead. Oh my gosh. And during the attack, he lost his eye and now he wears a prosthetic eye. Whoa. Which I, I really didn't know. But if you d- are interested in theatre and anti-apartheid theatre the island which I studied at school is a really interesting play about what it was like to be a prisoner on Robben Island okay and they actually based the the play off of letters that that had been smuggled out by actual prisoners in in the island on the island and the island is a play then yeah it's a play play. about two men uh, John Carney and Winston and Shona and their names are used, so John and Winston, mm-hmm. and it's about them being t- prisoners on Robben Island. Yeah. And it's what they were doing, it's just their, their life of like 
the way that they lived with the with the wardens and being beaten and being in a close cell together having no space yeah and the stage is like bare there's like nothing there and in the play they land up putting on a play for the guards and the other prisoners so it's like a play within a play yeah and they put on antigone I don't know if you ever did Antigone I, in school. I didn't do... I stopped doing drama when I was about 13, 14. <laughs> so I... No, um, I didn't go on. But no, it sounds really interesting. So yeah. is it still available to go and watch now? Like I'm sure you can like, actually you can watch some YouTube videos. Clips. But at school, we landed up seeing... Obviously not with the same actors, but we yeah. did see the play, uh, which was quite heartfelt and... And just heartbreaking to actually see what yeah. goes on because it's different when you read about it versus when you see it. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I, that I loved, and and it was amazing to just see and learn and visualize because I've been to Robben Island. We've been on like a school school trip, but not everybody can go if you're not in South Africa. So if you yeah. are, if, if you do ever go to Cape Town, I would definitely recommend going. But just do some research. It's it's really interesting, and and John Carney's history is also fascinating. And the play is definitely probably online somewhere. Like, yeah. you, know, you can probably read it somewhere. Mm. Definitely. But that's yeah. so interesting, like, how... Because you always think about these Hollywood actors, like, you think of them just as actors and performers. You never mm. sort of... I know a lot of them are activists and stuff, but at the end of the day, we all think about them just as these performers, these film stars that mm. just make films and TV shows and have a lot of money. But, yeah, that was so interesting. Mm. Really interesting. Did you have anybody that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I did. So, um, I'm going to talk about... Mary Seacole Mm. and she is a well was a British Caribbean nurse um during her lifetime she worked in so many countries as a nurse in cholera epidemics in Jamaica okay uh mainly the Caribbean but she did like uh live in England for a few years and she had a British she had a Scottish dad so she had a white Scottish dad Mm. and a black mum so she was actually born as a free person in the 19th century in Jamaica mm. um, so she never had to go into slavery or anything like that um, and the reason I want to talk about her because I actually watched um, this sort of I, I rewatched Horrible Histories the other day because they do a, a sort of a song about her Oh, okay. and it's a really really good song I'd recommend you go watching it and in one of the lyrics is like um, they call me the black Florence Nightingale but she actually did a lot more in the Crimean War than Florence Nightingale did. Did I know, like, in the UK, we learn about Florence Nightingale, but not Mary Seacole. Mm. So, um, yeah, so the Crimean War lasted between 1853 and 1856, and she heard about the really poor medical conditions mm. of the sort of hospitals out there and the poor care that the soldiers were getting. So she went to London, went to the British uh, War Office and asked if she could go. They refused her because of her skin colour. But because she was such a determined nurse and she was determined that like she was going to give them the medical care, mm. she funded her own travel out there Wow! Okay. with the help of her husband and a couple of friends. So she went out to Crimea and established the British Hotel, which was a military war, like a uh, frontline hospital. She established it herself? She established herself with the help of, I think, two other men, uh, and they were both doctors. And the British <coughs> Hotel was a shelter for obviously sick and wounded soldiers. Um, and so Florence Nightingale was there at the same time. But we should note that Nightingale's Hospital was situated miles away from the front line in a town called Scutari. Okay. Whereas uh, 
Mary Seacole's British Hotel was located in Balaclava, which was on the front line. So she was helping soldiers with getting fired at by like the yeah. enemy and the front line was, was more intense. She was in the thick of it basically. So um you know, she had to do like on field amputation and like help out with that and yeah, yeah, she okay. she <laughs> you know, she cared for them and because she had this extensive knowledge of medicine mm. because she'd travelled quite a bit and her yeah. mother had taught her in Jamaica growing up and by also spending time with uh, in London helping in a I think it was a, a nursing home or something in London she developed both western and Caribbean like medicine so she had all these great sort of um, uh, like cures for stuff just like cholera or fever um, but even sort of helping the wounded soldiers and the soldiers actually called her uh, Mother Mary oh. they dubbed her Mother Mary and what's interesting about her as well after she came back from the war after the Crimean war ended she came back to London soldiers generals were writing into newspapers being like you need to award this woman like you need to they were praising her so much because she was they loved her out there yeah the soldiers did she even had um she saved so many lives she said exactly she saved so many lives and she even had members of the royal family praising her good and in 1857 on the Thames a gala was held in her honour where over 80,000 people attended. Wow. So she was like, she was Yo. giving all these accolades. And it made me think, like, why didn't we learn about her in school? Yeah. So she died in 1881 in London. And sadly, she was lost to history for over a century um, for different reasons. And it wasn't until sort of the late 90s where Caribbean nurses came over to the UK and were like, where's Mary Seacole like where are the statues and the sort of the plaques of memory and you know sort of the blue plaques yeah (laughs) they they weren't around so they started like um sort of a petition and I think a few MPs came in on it as well so in 2004 um there uh was a statue no sorry she was named Britain's greatest uh black Britain in 2004 wow and then in 2016 a statue of it was unveiled in the grounds of St Thomas's Hospital in London um and yeah I just think it's like incredible how she was just lost she had all these accolades all these awards and then she was just lost for a hundred years like a century forgotten about you know and obviously that's probably reasons archival I don't know or just people not really caring not really caring and her memory sort of it's like history and memory really isn't it like that remembrance for her it mm. wasn't prioritized um at least i mean at least as sad as it is at least she's being remembered now now and being exactly praised. and being praised and everything but yeah she was um and she's quite she was a very determined character obviously um but she was apparently was very ruthless and very sort of like a tough lady a tough lady <laughs> She I think nev- you have to be with exactly, what you're but she never took no as an answer. Like mm. she'd always try and find another way around it, as we saw with her refusal by the British mm. military office. Um, one thing, sorry to interrupt no, no, you. One thing it. is that I've noticed with a lot of women in history is that they will not take no for an answer. They are so determined, and and that determination is something that creates this incredible history of women. And, exactly, and all of the women in history that we see these aren't easy women that were just walked over they would not 
be wo- yeah. walked over. They re- were really determined and persevered. And you know, and any obstacle that was thrown in their way, they would just carry on, keep yeah. going, even they if it meant years back. of their lives. Like they would mm. carry on. And I think Mary Seacole is a great example. And I just, I just really hope. Like we never learn about her in school or anything, but I really hope that they're incorporating more women like her. Like I remember sort of being taught about Florence Nightingale. Mm. Um, and to be honest with you, I don't remember what was said about her, but then. Reading Mary Seacole's story is just so fascinating. Yeah. And just, you know, it's so incredible to think that, you know, as a woman of colour in the 19th century, she managed to, you know, achieve so much, you know, even the royal family. Mm. And even being in the, in the medical field. In the well. medical field as a woman as mm. well, you know, and I think it's just, just incredible. Um, so, yeah. Um, I would love to actually go see the statue. I mean, I, think, I didn't know yeah, that there was it's one. In St. Tom- it's in St. Thomas's Hospital, which is not too far from uh, King's Guys Campus. Yeah. Um, so I think... Maybe uh, one day I'll go and just one check day it out. Check it out, yeah, definitely. So if you go to London or end up at St. Thomas's, unfortunately, you should... Uh, A&E. A&E. <laughs> just be careful. Yeah. I have another person I want to talk about another south african person <laughs> sorry but i'm just i'm bringing however i can just trying to bring these people Although to that's light. great because like obviously in britain you learn a lot about maybe the british people mm-hmm. you don't learn on an international scale yeah. so it's great that you're bringing in yeah. south african people i think next time it would be interesting to maybe talk more about people like in nigeria or ghana or kenya i'm just thinking about random countries here but people that we yeah. don't really know about exactly but there's always there's always room to learn and there's, exactly. there's nothing wrong with that about not knowing exactly. and just trying to broaden your knowledge but I digress today I wanted to talk about Steve Biko I don't know if you guys have heard of him before have you? I have actually we did so I in school did a module on South Africa oh cool I did yeah and I remember we did a Steve Biko was mentioned and we did notes on Steve Biko so mm. I know some about him I think I know his general story and what happened to him mm. um, and I think think we listened to a song about him or a boy in my class just made a song about him and that's just <laughs> stuck in my mind so when I was revising I do just want to do you want to sing it for us I'm, I'm good I'm good I'm, I'm good I'm good um yeah <laughs> so we learned a, b- a little bit about him but um I, I know who you, I know who you're talking about mm. well Steve Biko was born in South Africa and he was the founder of the black consciousness movement in South Africa and Steve Biko's got quite a significant story and his he's got a a big position in apartheid and like the history of apartheid in South Africa because his death was so brutal you can't you can't ignore it and you have to learn from it and learn about it because it was so significant he well I mean he basically formed I'm just going to tell you a little bit about him, but he was involved in a lot of um, parties and and unions in South Africa during apartheid, all of these anti-apartheid, like the National Union of South African Students. He formed the, well, he co-founded the All Black South African Students Organization, which was known as SASO. And SASO was also based on the philosophy of black consciousness and yeah, the night the Black Consciousness Movement spread from university campuses into urban Black communities through South Africa, and he was just really involved with the with the communities there and the unions 
trying to spread awareness through students, which oh, I think wow. was quite yeah. important. You know, the Very students. Important, yeah. We underestimate how powerful students, students are. are. Yeah, and can be as well. Yeah. But his death was something that I wanted to talk about, which is quite. It's quite violent, so I hope you guys aren't too squeamish. <laughs> but warning. he was taken by the police. He was arrested. Um, he was in. He was taken into police custody, and I'm pretty sure this is what happened. It, even when I'm googling him, it doesn't exactly give you all of all of the details. It kind of says that he was just beaten by the police. But what I learned was that he was beaten severely by the police they just tore him apart just beat him and i I can't even think about it and what they did was is that they tied his body to a truck and they just dragged him behind the truck as they drove and and that was how he died and that made him an international martyr for south african black nationalism sorry to interrupt but like when you mentioned the truck thing i honestly think like i remember we learned about steve eco and we learned that he just got very badly beaten i don't remember like maybe it's my memory but i honestly do not remember hearing about that's awful yeah that's really and to make it worse the officers involved were cleared of the wrongdoing and five what okay to talk about the truth and reconciliation commission (laughs) there's a lot there's you know like positives and negatives to it but they the five police officers confessed to having killed Biko and applied for amnesty to the commission which they yeah the amnesty was denied in 1999 which i'm very pleased with because you shouldn't get away with something like that it does echo some instances in the last couple of years doesn't it yeah it's uh it's crazy to think that it in some ways it's still happening well it is yeah it is but but i'm not sure if they went to prison but the amnesty was denied so hopefully at least they got something out of that yeah um did you have anybody else you want to talk about uh no i just wanted to mention but like honestly biko's story is just incredible but in a different way like his death was so brutal yeah um, it's crazy how it was his death that made him a martyr in that kind sense of, not it's, really it's reminiscent was sort of similar to sort of george floyd yeah during you know That's a couple that, of years back yeah with the BLM movement, that it was his death that, that just erupted everything, like ignited everything. Yeah. Um, and obviously, there's been more similar deaths in the past yeah. years like that, and it's just crazy to think that that's still happening and that. Yeah, but unfortunately, uh, I think in many cases, in all, in all, in all of history, is that when something awful happens, when a tra- when there's tragedy, that that's when people start to listen and start to to, to take action to take action yeah. yeah it's always everything most things in history they come from tragedy which yeah. is it's not great at the end it's unfortunate but it's, it's, unfortunate. it's the truth it's the truth i uh, don't know sorry, sorry no, you go, i don't know if i'm gonna try going to a more positive note but i don't yeah. know if any of the listeners knew that desmond tutu went yes. to kings maybe it's bit more light-hearted now yeah yes desmond tutu was a is an alumni of yes. king's college london so if you're walking along the Strand, the Strand campus, there mm. is a sort of biography and his picture outside mm. the... Uh, they've got like a line of alumni, haven't they? There's even a statue of his head in the vault. There is, there yeah. is. Yeah, I've seen it, I've seen it um, in the in one of the student bars. Um, he's actually studied theology at King's in the 1960s and became a fellow of the college, which is, oh, wow. which is quite nice. I think when... Um, when I was going to King's, I was doing some research and it made me really happy that I saw that Desmond yeah, Tutu went. I was yeah, like, yeah. yay, South yeah, African. South African Desmond Tutu, the, yeah. I don't know if you know this, but 
my flatmate told me this because his mom went to King's and so she told him that basically when you get for marks if you get a a 2-1 yeah. you know but if you get a 2-2 two, 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 then you say oh I got a Desmond, Desmond. yeah yeah which yeah. is about I, him which I, I thought was I, cute I've heard about that yeah I've heard a couple of people saying that I think yeah no I think that's really funny so if you guys haven't used that before if you ever get a 2-2 two, two, don't really think oh I did badly you didn't do badly you got a Desmond you got a Desmond you got a Desmond, you got a Desmond. That, Desmond. That, that's good exactly. take it <laughs> Um, but one thing, one quote that I did want to talk about was, well, Desmond was really significant with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa. Mm-hmm. He established it. Yeah, with oh apartheid. Wow. I don't know if you know, if you know, you learned about it at school. I, yeah, we learned about Desmond Tutu as well, obviously because he's such an influential figure. But I'm going about back at least four or five years now, mm. um, and that was for GCSE, so it's a, <laughs> it's a bit patchy with me. But well, I was actually doing it in my module in Crime and Punishment. We had to do a reading from that. And I obviously I learned it in in depth at school, and he learned a lot from history, and he applied it to South Africa's position, where you know like he learned from the Nuremberg trials and everything, and he decided what's the best thing we can do to go forward to to accept and move on from what from apartheid. Yeah. And the one thing he said was we could not pretend it did not happen, and. I think that's really important because even my flatmate who studies politics and economics, he was doing a, a class and they were saying like, oh, well, like you can just ask, you know, you can just say like, oh, what if we just for- forget that it happened? Like we just forgot forgot about it. Yeah. Like pretended it didn't happen, like the Holocaust or apartheid or you slavery, can't. like just pretend that it didn't happen. But what happens then? You, you can't do that because... You can't do that because it's... It's part of the identity of the people exactly you know and it's, it's part of history like if you erase history you there's yeah. what's left there's nothing mm. you can't learn from it you can't experience it in a way and there's, it can happen again it can ha- it can happen again exactly he he says in the there's a quote here where he says however painful the experience the wounds of the past must not be allowed to fester they must be opened they must be cleansed and bar must be poured on them so they can heal. And it's about learning from the past, not forgetting it, and healing from it. And knowing yes. it's not like forgive and forget, but it's 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 forgive. Because that's a, such a powerful quote, and yeah. I completely agree with it. Like, in order to move on from any past and to sort of recognise that wrongdoing and tragedy has happened, you have to recognise it. Mm. You have to sort of realise, like, this happened this is not going to happen again and you still have to remember it. it's so important to remember and commemorate these events and certain people and cultures like this because you know if everyone forgets it and you know doesn't bother remembering anymore like Mer- with Mary Seacole like she was mm. lost to history for a hundred years like yeah. I just think it's so important to remember these people because otherwise what's left like there's mm. nothing yeah, I think one thing about this podcast is that we want to bring people to light, even if they're, even if we know of them or yeah. we don't know them at all. It's just about both. But <laughs> I can compl- I completely agree because you know at the end of the day that's why it's called Untold Times. It's to bring that micro history back to life mm. and to get you guys interested in people that have been lost to history or people that or and events that you know. That you didn't study at school mm. um so yeah i think 
I think that's all for us. That's today, everything. No? Yeah, if you want to learn more about Black History Month, uh, we can send you some links in the description to mm. articles. Um, oh, and we're also doing a book swap on black authors in the history department on the eighth floor so in Strand. King students, please take come and visit the eighth floor. You can do a book swap there. Um, and yeah, I just encourage you during this month to really just get into sort of black history learn about different people mm. even if it's like listening to black music or watching different films like hidden figures i know the new black panther film is coming out in a couple yes. of weeks oh hidden figures great film. great film great, great cast film. true story true story recommend Re- highly recommend definitely you know read read some books by black black authors uh go to events um yeah. just learn the thing is that you must just always try to learn that's all that's all it's not that difficult like it's yeah. just just uh, learn keep as learning. much as you can much with as you can. not just about black history month but about everything it's about everything exactly but um as it is black history month this i would encourage you all to yeah to do so, what you can yeah i think that's all that we have for today mm. so next week what are we going to be doing next week Time. I think we'll be talking about some people that are lesser known. Lesser known, maybe. Oh, maybe. Well, untold time. Sorry. Untold time. Yeah. We've got we've got something in the works. I yesterday the football girls wanted to talk to me about women in sport, which could I, be interesting. I'm definitely definitely up for that. Yeah. Yeah. We've got Fionn here, who's the yeah. captain of the women's GKT first team rugby. Yes. Yes. That's quite a mouthful. Sorry. That's quite a mouthful. <laughs> quite, the whole saying the team's name is quite a mouthful, but yeah. yeah. So yeah, I next week definitely we should look at that we'll chat to you guys soon hope you enjoyed the episode thank you for listening bye